Oh God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who's raised pigs, and I don't want to get into it, uh, yeah, pigs, they're biters. But they're also really smart. Well, welcome back to Cage Match with Nick and Sean, colon, a roundabout way of meeting Nicolas Cage. I am your host, Sean, with my co-host, Nick, and our producer, Peter. Hello. This week, we will be discussing two fine films. Yeah, they're both... Movies. Movies. <laughs> Not to give up the goat too much, but I really liked one of them. Yeah, one of them was great. Somehow I feel like we're going to have different opinions of what's great, uh, considering last week's no, episode. No, I think I'd be real disappointed if we didn't agree this week. We are discussing Pig and a cinematic film Left Behind. <laughs> um, the cinematic Leavings Behind. Left behind. I think one of these movies is uh, more ripe for comedy gold, and we are a comedy podcast, so let's start with Left Behind. And uh, Nick, why don't you tell us what this movie was about? This movie is about Nicolas Cage, who is a airline pilot. Yeah, he's a pilot in this movie for an airplane. Rayford Steele. Yeah, the dumbest, second dumbest name in the movie. The dumbest being his son, Raimi, because it's spelled R-A-Y-M-I. I miss that. Yeah, it's hateful. Yeah, Nicolas Cage, he's a pilot. He's going to fly a plane in the movie. His daughter comes home to surprise him for his birthday for college. But uh, Nicolas Cage is trying to hook up with this uh, flight attendant. That's the term these days. Gets kind of caught in the act by his daughter. Then he just gets on the plane anyways with his tickets to go see you 2 I mean, he had to go. I mean, he did have to do his job. Well, at that point, but he was obviously lying the whole time because he said he like just got called in that yeah. morning. But then he got the tickets and he'd been trying to get them for like two weeks. So and the show was in London. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So clearly he had other plans. Yeah, he didn't give a shit. And didn't care that his daughter was coming home to surprise him. It was fine. So they get on the plane. Oh, Jesus. And then there's Chad Michael Murray. He plays. Jesus. Yeah, he he plays an investigative journalist who does actually no investigative journalism ever. And so they had to give him a, a job that was plot reasonable. They call him an investigative journalist. He's just a disaster journalist. Yes. Like he goes around in films like earthquakes and shit. That's not investigative journalism. You know why the earthquake happened and where and who and stuff. So it's it's pretty, pretty weak. But wait, Nick, who made the earthquake? Russell Brand. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even put that together. Wow. Oh, no, I've been thinking about what a dick Russell Brand was this whole time. (laughs) It was awful. Yes. Listen to episode two for context. Yeah. Yeah, there's all sorts of like callbacks these days now that we've got such a such a large library of content to get you back into it. Which just to harp on episode two's point again, um, this is the third episode and they're hour long episodes. Go listen to the first two. Yeah, 
I mean, you could probably take a dump and listen to a whole episode in one go. So Rayford Steele flies his stupid plane up into the air. <laughs> um, the, uh, something tells me this isn't the movie you liked. I love this movie. <laughs> well, his stupid daughter, Chloe, is still on the ground and she's all upset. She like has a bone to pick with Christianity. Her mom like got all like born again and just went wild with it. Yeah. Uh, which is really kind of she blames that for her parents failing marriage and I don't know, but she went to college. So it's not like she stuck around to try and help rekindle the passion. But her poor little brother, Ramy is. Oh, yeah. The short version of this is Rayford has a bad day at work because the rapture happens. Yeah. Yeah. So but it's the dumbest rapture ever. Can, um, can we talk about that Photoshop job of the family, though? Oh, the family photo. It's so good. He looks like he's coming through like an ethereal, like gauzy veil as he just shifts That's into the photo this photo. That's we should have used. Oh, God, that would have been good. We'll, we'll put it up on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. We have a Twitter now. Follow yeah, we- us at whatever uh, we made that. While Rayford is in the air and uh, to get away from... Her mother, Chloe, takes Raimi to the mall Mm -hmm. where there is a uh, sick hip hop dance group. um, They were great doing. They were actually the best like performers of the movies. Shockingly true. Um, But, you know, that's just so we know that this movie is hip and with it. The best rapture scene they could have had is during the hip hop dancer team when the guy goes sliding across the floor on his head. Oh, yeah. If the rapture happened right then and he got raptured. That would have been sick. Absolutely. Hat just sliding. Bucket hat upside down, yeah. sliding across the floor. Fuck yeah. I want that. She loses track of her brother for a second, mm-hmm. finds him, and when she goes to embrace him, because, you know, they love each other, uh, the screen kind of flashes, and there's a whoa, 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 and suddenly there's just clothes in her arms. Yeah, clothes that were, like, still standing up. It's like, that's a lot of starch. I don't think that kid's <laughs> hit puberty, so those socks have no right to be that stiff. Well, that, okay, that goes to my... <laughs> What's your point coming off of a beat-off joke? Like, so that's my point about with, this whole movie. Within this film, all children get raptured. All children get saved, which I w- was raised in the Catholic Church. Not true. <laughs> Some of them get saved. <laughs> Original sin is a thing. There had to be some 12 year old somewhere who was just discovering himself when the rapture happened, who's still in his bathroom. Yeah. So, okay, two things. I think that (laughs) puberty is the cutoff because once you've hit puberty, you've obviously whacked off. I discovered myself early and often. I mean, I to be fair, I had a mustache at nine. So you earned it. While in midair, rapture happens. A sizable chunk of people disappear off the plane, so obviously everyone's freaking out. The cockpit gets bum-rushed because the pilot clearly knows what's going on. There's the bum-rushing, though, and the way he gets them to go back to their seats is, and maybe this is what pilots can do, and I did not fact-check this, he made it so that everyone needed to use their oxygen Oh, yeah, he, like, depressurized the cabin. Yeah. Like, so, can that just happen at any time? Uh, that would be terrifying. No shit. Yeah. Like one really depressed pilot's like, fuck it, depressurize, take everybody with me. They're only six hours out from New York, so they bust a bitch and head back to New York. Um, they were three hours out of three New hours. York. Yeah. Okay. They're flying back 
to New York, you were paying more attention than me. Um, I've watched it twice. Uh, what can I say? I'm sorry. Yeah, um, it was rough. That second viewing was definitely over two trips. Uh, while flying back, they have a run in with another plane that no longer has its uh, crew. Yeah, or at least its pilots. Some God lovers on that flight. Yeah. But all Jesus Airways. Yeah. Virgin so, Airlines. He's trying to get back to New York. Can't get in touch with anybody on the ground. They do hit their wing, strikes the other plane, and they're leaking fuel rapidly. Yeah, it's not leaking. They're just draining. Draining fuel, yeah. At one point, the fuel ignites. Uh Uh-huh. And there's like a cool fireball in the back of this thing. But it's not the plane that's on fire. It's just the fuel. And, you know, Rayford knows this because Chad Michael Murray used his stupid camera to take a photo of it and tell him. There. Now we've justified him being an investigative (laughs) journalist. All the while, Chloe, who was holding the clothes, which I have to assume involves underwear, even though you never see underwear on any of these uh, saved individuals. Man, is everyone just like swinging free in the. Sounds like heaven to me. (laughs) Even though she's like holding the clothes, she decides she's going to. Initially, she's going to try and drive, but for reasons that happen a lot, uh, that doesn't happen. Jesus, yeah. So, like, she's in the mall. Oh, Chloe looking for her brother, uh, who, again, is... Does she just assume he's now naked roaming the streets? But, (laughs) like, goes to the nearest hospital and breaks in to find her brother, who, again disappeared while in her arms. It's kind of weird to me that they locked the door to the hospital. Also, like, there's only 30 people in the front of that thing. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, I can't stand in this line. No. Window smash. Yeah. But, okay, so, sidebar there. I like that she's just fucking rolling around and she looks at the TV and the news is up and it's like chaos at the hospital. And the next scene she's at the hospital. It's like her initial thought is just, Oh my God, the hospital is off the hook. I gotta go there. Ramy could be there. It's like, why would Ramy have gone to the hospital? I hate her. Yeah. Oh, the, and, and she sees the ambulance. And oh, is like, is he in there? Oh yeah. <laughs> Is it Ramy? And the cop's like, get the fuck back. It's like, the only time I've respected a cop is when he tells her to back the fuck up. It's like, God damn. This but movie sucks. She makes, she makes her way home to find... Her mom was ready, because her mom was like warning her about the, uh, the rapture at the beginning of the film. And then, right when it was time to go up, her mom's like, I'm gonna clean myself for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Takes a shower. So, you know, no clothes left behind, just just the necklace that uh, Chloe made, which was a plot point. She would have been real, like, moist, though. Like, she was raptured wet. Yeah. Damp for Jesus. Damp for Jesus. Um, oh, Leah Thompson, too, from Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a rough time, I guess, in 2014. Okay, so, yeah, she goes to the hospital. 
not there. Goes home. Not goes there. home. Mom's jewelry is just sitting in the shower. Oh, did we neglect to say she was in a shower? Was I just talking about how wet she was yes, for no we, reason? No, we, we talked oh, about that. She was in the shower. Oh, got it, raptured. Gets a voicemail from her dad who has a satellite phone. Yeah, because he's a pilot. He's a pilot. And Chad Michael Murray also has a satellite phone. Because he's an investigative he's journalist. An investigative journalist. Also, we forgot to mention that uh, Chloe and uh, Chad Michael Murray's character, Buck, uh-huh. met in the airport and kind of hit it off. Yeah, including kinda. after she blows him off, he gives her a kiss on the cheek because that's a completely normal thing to do to a stranger. But she gets a voicemail from her dad. If you're Joe Biden, I guess. <laughs> the second the airport. Topical humor. <laughs> I'm the Murphy Brown of podcast. She gets a voicemail from her father, which is right before the impact with the other plane. So she thinks her dad's dead. So she does the only logical thing left. Walk to a bridge and climb to the top of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the while, back in the air, Buck and Rayford, I keep wanting to say Raymond, but Rayford. Yeah, I know. Try to keep the crew and the passengers of the flight together and safe, all while quickly running out of fuel, going down. This movie goes out of its way to introduce characters that you... This is all Christian propaganda. I missed that part. <laughs> so it goes out of its way to introduce characters that clearly aren't going to get raptured. It takes an hour for the rapture to happen. Uh, you are. Happen. Yeah. OK. Yeah. It's a full hour before oh my God. anybody gets raptured. Um, but they seem to go out of the way to like be like, see, we're not judging people. But the one actual God fearing character on the plane doesn't get raptured. who just happens to be Muslim. I mean, he probably did something else in his life. What about the old lady? Her husband got raptured. That was fucked and, up. So there's an old lady okay. with dementia. Yeah, she's old, has dementia. Husband, I'm not going to like say I'm buying into every stereotype, but he was Jewish. They made a, a Jewish stereotype. He got raptured, which I'm pretty sure is a New Testament thing. But the the sweet old lady doesn't get raptured. Nope. Satanist. Yeah, she probably likes butt stuff. God hates butt stuff. Oh, uh, Chloe Not goes. Rude. Chloe goes to see her mother's uh, pastor. Oh yeah, yeah. Pastor he, doesn't get raptured. He doesn't get raptured because you know you have to. You can't just say it. You have to believe it in your heart. Yeah, yeah. He stopped believing. Although I wanted to make some assumptions about him, but they weren't Catholic, so you know, Ramy was probably fine. He's gonna talk in the same scene about like how you know he he doesn't believe. He doesn't feel it. But then he's also going to say, like, God took your mom and brother to save them and protect them. And it's like, well, which is it? Do you believe or not believe? Yeah. Like, well, you have to believe now. Do you? I mean, I don't No. I believe less. Yeah. Oh. I believe in the power of good drugs. Yeah. So Rayford seems to be the only person who puts two and two together on the plane as to what's going on. Also, the drug. Lady. Yeah. Drug addled British lady. Yes. But you can't trust a British person. So. Who was and they don't. Yeah. <laughs> Rayford, though, his, his realization of it, he was just sort of like, he's like, well, it must be the rapture because my wife told me about the rapture. Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And oh. then well, Co-Pilot's also- watch has, of course, John 316 yes, on the face that's of it. it. In like gold foil. Yeah, it was so bad. <laughs> It's so shitty. That scene, it was killing me because he's like going through the wallet and just throwing random stuff. 
And one of the things he pulls out is like a laminated card that just says Visa. Oh, yeah. It just looks like the old like Visa logo mm-hmm. in card form. It was you know, pretty good. At least we knew what it was. Because in 2014, nobody's ever seen a debit card before. So Chloe, in her bad day, almost gets hit by a car that goes careening through the mall. Yeah. Um, so a car that had no driver, no driver, but the engine revs as it speeds through yes. the mall. And the woman, the passenger is already dead before it crashes. I didn't even notice a passenger. Yeah, there's a, pa- a bleeding passenger is already dead. No airbags go off in this car. Mm. Um, then goes to her car because she, you know, drove there. So a single prop airplane comes careening out of the sky into her car. And then while walking to the hospital under a bridge, some guy, somebody on a moped revs up, drives by, steals her purse. And then this has to be at least 20 minutes since the beginning of the rapture i mean you could really call this like chloe's no good very Very bad day day. the biggest laugh of this entire movie comes from the short person (laughs) getting thrown no that's that's good but no my favorite scene is when chloe is walking through the city there is some disheveled clothes of an unhoused person next to a the end is near sign and somebody has scratched out the word near and written here did did the homeless guy do it before he went? And he's like, what? One second, God. All right. We'll post that here. But or did someone stop while freaking out to update this guy's sign? Finally, get back in touch with Chloe on the ground. They need a runway because there's nothing at the airport and they don't have enough gas to go inland. Um, so she finds a stretch of highway that's being worked on to land them on. She gets a big truck to move stuff out of the way and then lights a lights a big fire for them to see so they can see the landing strip. They land. Everyone survives. Um, it's kind of a crash landing. It's not a it's, good one. No. I mean, they lose their landing gear on some power lines. Yeah, but, it, but everyone survives and we kind of have a happy ending only to view the world that is now on fire because it is the rapture and there's seven years of hell on earth coming. Honestly, the... When they get off the plane is literally the only part, like the only part of this movie where I saw something that made me say, hell yeah. It's when the Muslim guy throws the little person off the side of the airplane. So my biggest question about this film is who are these made for? Is this just weird, like snuff porn for Christians? Like, haha. These losers are going to go through seven years of hell. Like the producers seem to know well enough that you need to make the characters somewhat relatable and likable because they're not horrible. The performances aren't terrible and the characters aren't the worst. We're watching different movies. It wasn't good, but you guys upsold this so much into how terrible it's going to be. And I was just like, this is fine. The characters are just like skin deep. Yes. Like. There's nothing to them. There's no character. I mean, it's, so was Jiu-Jitsu, and have, I love that movie. Jiu-Jitsu didn't bother giving us fake occupations for people <laughs> that we have to, like, somehow decide this is who they are based on what they do. Right. I mean, no. you, you have Jordan Sparks playing a mom whose kid gets raptured, and then she thinks that it's some conspiracy theory from her NFL quarterback husband ex-husband she's the one yeah, who pulls like, the gun in the third act that i didn't see coming writes these characters like this yeah. it makes no sense 
I mean, I guess they're from the book, but but at the end of the film, so, so bad. Like at the end of the film, they all survive. Which the director, the writers seem to know you have to have some type of narrative with protagonists that you have to root for for there to be a story arc. But at the end of all of it, they're still all going to hell. Supposedly. I mean, maybe he can like Rayford and Chad, Michael Murray, Buck can, uh, I don't know, rekindle the faith in humanity. I'm never going to read. Yeah. These can books, you, so can you like win the rapture? I don't think like, so. Can you pray real hard? I'm not sure. I don't understand the impetus of these films. Is it to is it to convert us? Because they do not do a good job of depicting Christians in this film as reasonable people you'd want to hang out with. One of the first scenes in the film is Chad Michael Murray's character signing like newspapers with articles he's written. And this woman comes in because people give a shit about that. <laughs> yes. But and this woman comes up and she like just starts browbeating him with like, it's God's plan and blah, blah, blah. And Chloe walks up and she's like, hey, leave the guy alone. You're crazy. And, you know, we live in a fallen world. Yeah. And that's their depiction of a good Christian. On the second viewing, I really felt bad for acknowledging this, but the movie got a lot better when the Christians were gone. <laughs> that's like, kind of my point. Yeah. Like you can't base a movie around these people who are fine and don't have problems. Well, problems that they perceive. Everything thematic about this movie is so disgustingly heavy handed. Yes. That I think it should put anybody off. But to answer your question, these movies get made because there's a big market for Christian film. Nick uh, is building a collection of Nick Cage films. This was one of them, so I didn't have to rent it so I could just watch the Blu-ray. There's one quote, there's one review on the back of the box that I'd like to read for you guys. (laughs) An action-packed thriller that will take viewers on a wild ride through the day of the rapture. Willie Robertson, Duck Dynasty. Yeah. (laughs) That was their get. Which, I mean, as far as, like, Christian gets is pretty big. Like, that guy has, like, four books out that are always sitting next to each other at Hobby Lobby. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Uh, I did see an interview with him, though. Surprised you know anything about Willie Duckman. (laughs) I did. Never be be surprised by me knowing dumb shit. I mean, there is not terrible action in this film. You can see where the budget runs out. Like the plane goes from looking like a plane to like early or to late 90s CG real quick. The the director only has six credits uh, on his IMDb for directing. He has a bunch in Stuntman work and stunt coordination. Yeah, he's a stuntman. He's a stuntman. Um, but his only other notable thing on his IMDb page is he directed an episode of the Young Indiana Jones Adventures. So that makes sense because he was a stuntman yes. on the Indiana Jones movie. Yes. Right. So like his book, which I thought was this is probably the most fascinating thing about this, is My Life as Indiana Jones, James Bond, Superman, and Other Action Heroes. Like that fucking rules. This yeah. guy was just like a stand-in for everyone cool. That is pretty great. Yeah. These are the things you think about when you're bored. Yeah. And you're gonna be bored a lot when you watch Left Behind. Basically, don't watch Left Behind. No. Uh, there is a Left Behind 2, Rise of the Antichrist, in pre-production right now, directed and starring Kevin Sorbo as Rayford Steele. Oh, Jesus. Kevin Sorbo. Oh. 
God, that makes me infuriated. <laughs> right? I mean, we went from Kirk Cameron to Nicolas Cage, improvement, <laughs> to Kevin Sorbo. Which is really worse than Kirk Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that sucks. Yeah. Nick, this is a hard one for this. Oh, Jesus, do, I don't Do have you have a quote? No. I did have one quote, and it is not from the movie, but it is from Nicolas Cage being interviewed about this film while doing the press junket. And he was asked about how most actors would shy away from religious films. And his quote, trying to sell this film as something he cared about, was a thing of beauty. If you look carefully at my filmography, I do gravitate at times towards spiritual spirituality, uh, spiritually themed movies like City of Angels or Knowing, or even movies like Ghost Rider. <laughs> <laughs> Deep spirituality in that one, yeah. That was oh, that made me so happy. <laughs> when I was, like, wow, you do not care. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, yeah, uh, that was left behind. Um, it's a I, movie. It's a movie. Uh, don't watch it. Uh, anything else you want to say about it before we get to uh, our second film? In the mall, when everybody gets uh, raptured and all the kids and stuff, there's kids clothing falling from the ceiling. <laughs> Why were the kids in the ceiling? <laughs> Just parents that were sick of their Just kids that day. Dropping it could have been one of those cool malls that had like, uh, yeah. you know, like a roller coaster. Did not appear to be one. <laughs> it, I don't think there was anything cool in this movie. I agree. I there except for the little person, but Pig. <laughs> that's a movie too. That is a movie, uh, and it's it's in fact a movie we're going to cover right now. Nice. It's a it's. It's a sad film, but for different reasons than Left Behind. I mean, it's as and by that, I mean, it's a movie that is is kind of sad and is emotional. Well, we're in serious movies right now. We so are in serious movies. This is why we uh, break them down and switch up, because some weeks are going to be harder than others. Looking at you, 9-11 film. Oh, that's coming up someday. But yeah, the long and short of Pig, Nicolas Cage plays a weird isolationist living out in the Oregon woods with his truffle pig. They have a great relationship. Pig even has its own little bed next to Nick Cage's. Uh, Nick Cage makes delicious foods and feeds his pig, and they have a great life together. Nick Cage plays Rob. And once a week, uh, Amir, young businessman from Portland, comes to buy his truffles and bring him supplies. They don't seem to I think particularly he just like each other. Buys the truffles with supplies. It's like here's uh, some D cell batteries. Yeah, for your ghetto blaster. R uh, Rob and his pig enjoy a nice little life together. One night, Rob lays his sweet head down when his door gets kicked in. Pig gets bagged, and he gets frying panned to the skull <laughs> with an amazing foley. As he gets hit, um, wakes up the next day, uh, contacts Amir, who shows up in his yellow. I think it's a Camaro. It's Camaro. It's Camaro. Shows up in his Camaro, is really angry that he has to like drive all this way and uh, takes Rob to the big city, to Portland. Well, he takes him on a, a circuit real quick to other truffle oh, hunters. Yeah. 
and kind of gets like because he had a, l- a brief description of the truck, the turquoise pickup. So and, they find the meth heads who, stuck, who yeah, stole the pick. Yeah. Through a, a very short series of events. Yes. Two stops. He finds the the meth heads and uh, confronts them. But they're like, oh, we don't have the pig anymore. And that's about all the help they were. So they returned to Portland for Rob to introduce Amir to the seedy underbelly of the Portland restaurant scene, which involves literal underground fight clubs. Mm-hmm. Fight being a misnomer. Well, I mean, growing up in Portland and having worked in, you know, one or two kitchens. Did yeah. you ever get just punched in the face for money? What? No. Obviously, if you were paying attention, the restaurant workers pay to punch homeless people. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like a letting out frustration. Okay. Having to deal with rich fucks being in your restaurant, just being an asshole. It's still not a fight. Dealing with an uppity chef, all that kind of stuff. It still doesn't seem like a fight club. No, no, it's definitely just like buying the right to punch bums. Knock a dude's teeth in. Mm Mm-hmm. Who nobody's going to care about because he's a homeless dude and he just made 300 bucks. Yeah. Okay. This makes a little more sense. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't. It's horrible. Um, so, yeah, I've punched a homeless guy. <laughs> for money? No. Well, you paid to, You paid for the privilege. Yeah. He made some money. No rapture for me. Rob goes revealing that he is, in fact, famous chef Robin Feld, who mysteriously disappeared 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Presumably to go live in the woods with a pig. 15. 15 years ago. I'm the detail guy. <laughs> Clearly. I have notes. <laughs> he gets the name of a restaurant, which is a highfalutin gastropub. So he gets Amir to use his connections to get him to get them lunch reservations. I, I also like the, the scene. We kind of skipped over it when Rob goes to his old home. Oh, oh, stranger danger. Yeah, that's a weird scene. That was a weird scene, but it did make me think like maybe Left Behind got it right. All kids do go to heaven because that kid fucking rules. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, there's a kid playing a, a handpan. Yes. Um, in a backyard, and Rob's just wandering through his old neighborhood and pokes his head around the corner again. I mean, been freshly beaten, an eight year old just hanging out on the back porch by himself. The kid did turn and look at him and be like, "Does your face hurt?" Yes. And he's like, "Yeah." And they talk about a persimmon tree, which yeah. Because what you talk to kids about is weird fruits. Yeah. Like persimmons, which are delicious. I used to have a persimmon tree in my backyard. Um, no, that, yeah. Outside of Stranger Danger, that was a really cool scene. So they show up to lunch the next day. Very fancy place. Uh, the woman, the waitress, describes for almost two solid minutes this deconstructed scallop dish. Deconstructed scallop dish with like an acorn fusion. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, All the while, Rob, who was disheveled to start with, hasn't cleaned up the blood from his frying pan wound or the blood from getting his face punched in and is still just wearing his dirty, dirty old uh, union suit. I love that he wears a union suit. Yeah, Yeah, he just wears old, dirty ass, like, union suit shirt. (laughs) Keep it weird, Portland. Can't say it any better, yeah. I guess. Keep it weird, Portland. No dress code. So no dress code. Reca- 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 I, I did a little little reading about this particular aspect because they were like, why didn't you have Rob clean himself up? And 
apparently they were doing test makeup on Nick Cage and just like got them all fucking beat up looking and then took a break and went and got coffee and nobody said anything or asked anything or raised an eyebrow. And they were like, well, <laughs> fucking Portland. Yeah. So that just became the thing. It was like, well, Rob wouldn't give a shit. So yeah, here we true. go. I didn't know the uh, the story of the the caked blood test makeup. That's amazing. That actually makes it a little better. In like previously, I probably would have griped about him not cleaning up. But then, I mean, you get into the character of him himself. It's like yeah. all his clothes are fucking filthy. He never asked for a different shirt. The restaurant scene is probably my favorite scene from the film because they wind up questioning the chef who also should be said Amir's father, who's also in the restaurant tour game sells to this restaurant specifically. So Amir's not supposed to be there. They're not supposed to cross the streams, but Rob confronts the chef who turns out to have been fired by Rob from his restaurant years ago. It was the chef's first job. He got fired for always overcooking the pasta. And Rob completely eviscerates this guy by being like, what did you tell me when I fired you? You wanted to open an old uh, English pub. What happened to that dream? These people don't care about you. Tears this guy down. Um, But of course, all signs point to Amir's father being the individual who hired aforementioned uh, meth addicts to kidnap the pig. Yeah, the, the chef was being real dodgy about it all. Yeah. About where he was getting those truffles for the fall menu. So Rob uh, rightfully loses his shit on Amir. Kicks the shit out of Amir's car. Yeah. To get Amir to give up like his father's address. Rob steals a bike. And an amazing scene where Rob just runs up on some guy's porch. Grabs the bike. The guy tries to stop him and fully cages out and just screams in his face and walks away. Yeah. (laughs) To be fair, if a guy who was whose face, entire face was caked in blood, just grabbed my bike and yelled at me, like, all right, it's fine, it's yours now. Goes and meets Amir's dad, who is a real son of a bitch, and tells him if he ever comes back, he's gonna, well, offers him a bunch of money, and tells him if he ever comes back, he's gonna turn the pig to bacon. All right, so, no, the scene that I loved, he's in his old restaurant talking to his old baker, and he's just looking, and it's, the entire conversation is a single camera from a weird, like, Dutch angle over the shoulder, and he just, like, you changed it. And she's like, it wasn't me. <laughs> you're, you're a chef. I'm a baker. And it's just this great little moment of him sitting in a thing he built that is no longer there. And it's sad and beautiful, and but something else has come from it, and someone else has succeeded in that space. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, um, she explains that she had kept the restaurant the same and operated the same for, for a couple, a couple years. years just because she thought he was going to come back. But, but of course he did not. So, so she was left behind. <laughs> Cage comes in and like in this attempt to get like this last ditch attempt to get information about the pig out of Amir's dad, he prepares this meal. Cause uh, we've established like with the chef from the other restaurant that Rob has an insane memory. He doesn't forget people. And he he'll say in this scene, like he remembers everybody he's served and he remembers every meal he's ever made for a person. So when 
he goes and he makes this meal for Amir's dad. Like he gets Amir in and like sends him on a shopping list, but teaches him how to make this meal, this meal that was like the only time Amir has ever described his parents as being happy was after this meal. So he want, he's just, I don't think he's doing it maliciously. He's trying to like extend an olive branch and he's like, Hey man, remember this really good time you had with your wife who I do not know yeah. is just a fucking vegetable hospital room. And you get to see his dad go through and you like, you see him like try the different things. He eats the, the uh, pigeon and it, it's what it was. You know, you see the look on his face and he's like, oh man, like this pigeon fucking rocks. Like I didn't think pigeon was so good, but that's great. And then like he takes another bite of something and it's like, okay, this is also great. And it's like slowly like just coming up out of like the depths in him where he's starting to recognize this meal. And then he drinks this like special wine that uh, Rob had had Amir get from like his private like wine cellar. When Amir's dad drinks this wine, it's like everything just fucking comes back to him. And he's like, I know exactly when I had this meal and it was the last good meal. So he like he drinks the wine and he's just like, fuck, he's just wrecked inside because all he can think about is now his wife and just this connection that the three of them had that can never happen again. Yeah. I think that was probably the more emotional moment for me. Yeah. I, I, that one hit for me too. And I, one, one of the pieces of that, that I thought was kind of interesting is that as Rob is pouring that wine, he says, your son found this. Yeah. Yeah. He gives the kid the credit for everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. So Rob, to rehumanize this person, reminds him of the one good meal he had with his comatose wife. Dad completely breaks down, loses his shit, only to reveal that the pig died. That it was the methods. The methods will be, you know, we're a little too rough with it. I don't think it's that kind of roughness. Uh, I think they were just like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They were shitty methods yes. doing <laughs> shitty method things, and they fucked this pig up. So yeah, Nick Cage uh, loses his shit. Um, and you know, this is a perfect prime cage opportunity to just let it out. It's a silent scene. Yeah, it's a nice, sad man. Like real actual kind of emotional grieving. Yeah. Yeah. This is a really stoic film. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that it didn't have more freak out moments. Like he just like takes his lumps. Yeah. And, you know, that that's the most visceral scene for sure. Yeah. And it's silent. Peter and I saw the trailer for this film together for the first time. This movie was really kind of sold visually as man loses pig and John Wick's around Portland. And it is not that. No, it's a, a real like drama. Yeah. Like just real case study. in like, what are our relationships with food, animals, parents, significant others? And what do we do when they go away? It's a really beautiful um, scene where they're in a diner and Rob says, I'm going to paraphrase here because I don't remember the exact quote, but, you know, if I didn't go to Portland, if I didn't go looking for her in my head, she'd still be alive. And Amir's just like, but she wouldn't be. 
Rob goes, she wouldn't be. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's where the crying started. The last scene in this film is Rob returning back to his shack, playing a tape of his deceased wife that she recorded for his birthday of her playing guitar and singing I'm on fire while he sits on his bed and looks at his now deceased pig's bed. That scene kind of broke me. I cried a lot. And I hugged my dog for a solid 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's Pig. It's a, I mean, I thought it was a really solid movie. It's not perfect, but... uh... I don't I don't know how you are with movies, Nick. Is did this feel emotional to you? Did it hit? <laughs> do, do you have feelings? Nick? Do you have feelings? <laughs> this is actually an intervention, Nick. This the last two episodes have just been set up for this conversation. Just really to get me in here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's an emotional movie. I, I love my dog. I love my girlfriend. I could see myself feeling similarly if I had lost Tyler. I think what actually so the most emotional part of the movie for me was when Nick Cage, because it's not like Nick Cage just makes this meal for Amir's dad. Uh, This whole like relationship with Amir and his dad and mom is kind of set up and like Amir has said that his mom is dead. She killed herself where we eventually do find out that she's just in a vegetative state. She's not even dead. He can't like communicate, talk to her or anything like that. And the father, I'm assuming doesn't ever visit her. Well, and she's only alive because the father pays for the pays for the medical care. Right. Like Amir says, you know, why won't dad just let you die? I wish he'd let you die. Can we talk about Rob and Amir's relationship? Like how it grows from Amir's trying to start a business. Well, the first scene that you have Amir and Rob together, Rob doesn't talk to him. It's like he sees Amir showing up, gets the cooler with the truffles, sets it to the side, continues darning his pants Mm -hmm. while uh, Amir comes up. I mean, it's pretty funny watching him in the background trying to walk around the pig without getting dirty. And I mean, he just hates the pig, keeps calling it a little fucker and things like that. and. just comes up is a loud mouth gets nothing from rob sets down the cooler with his batteries and shit in it uh batteries and flour and then rob just takes it and goes inside and it's like slams the door yeah it's like a little yeah fuck you and he's a a big like uh he's concerned about like disasters they amir talks about like oh we, we could just go to mount hood or whatever and like well uh, well, uh, sorry, let me back up. Cage is talking about how like there's going to be an earthquake every like 200 years and it's going to send a tsunami inland that's going to flood everything, presumably from the Cascades over. And Amir's like, well, we could go to Hood. And Nick Cage is like, Hood's an active volcano. And it's like, oh, fuck. That's pretty funny. To which Amir but- responds with, well, I'm not fucking moving to Seattle. And Rob goes, fuck Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. That I mean, that's one of the most honest moments of the movie because I don't know anybody in Portland who really likes Seattle and it goes both ways like yeah. fuck Portland. But then they uh 
they really build into like an actual friendship. Yeah. Where they the kind of know and respect each other a little bit. Yeah. When uh, Amir drops Rob off at the end of the film, the last thing Rob says to Amir is, so I'll see you Thursday. He's like, yeah. Then Amir goes and cries in his car for a while. I got fun facts. <laughs> yeah, hit, hit some fun facts. Let's do uh, some quotes. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the, I think the only thing that I really wanted to say is like, I thought the visuals in this were really good. It's a very dark film. Yes. And I wished it had been a little more lit, but uh, it's a first time director and a f- like basically a first time DP. Yeah. And, I mean, they did pretty fucking well. Well, I mean, that's kind of the most interesting thing about this film. It was done on a shoestring budget. Like, it was done on so little money that I couldn't find how much money it cost to make this thing. An actual fun fact, uh, it, this is Nick Cage's 100th feature film. Oh. The century mark. Good job. You did it, buddy. Good job. The budget was so small, they couldn't afford a trained pig. They had, like, a couple weeks to try and train this pig, who is only in, like, 10 minutes of the film. But apparently this thing would just continue to bite Nicolas Cage. Uh, Nicholas Cage was made a joke. He'd been, you know, set on fire, flipped over in cars, and ultimately, what was going to kill him was sepsis from being bitten by a pig. As an act of respect to the pig, the director requested that no ham or bacon be served on set while the pig was on set. Apparently, he did not win this fight. Well, you know, your crew's got to have bacon. At this point, let's do some quotes. If you guys have any favorite quotes. I mean, mine was Rob stealing the bike. And when the guy goes, hey, he just goes. "Ah!" That is good. I just liked Rob at the restaurant, just getting into Derek. Just the like nihilist gravity of like him saying it. And he just like cuts him apart. And he just says, Derek, why do you care about these people? They don't care about you. None of them. They don't even know you because you haven't shown them. Every day you wake up and there'll be less of you. You live your life for them and they don't even see you. You don't even see yourself. We don't get a lot of things to really care about. That's like, damn. Yeah. That's a good quote. That's that's actually the most he says in like one solid chunk the entire movie. Well, like I said, that was probably my favorite scene of the film. Yeah, it was a great scene. I think my favorite was Rob saying, I don't fuck my pig. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of being like straight up accused of fucking a pig. You you got to go to bat against that. Yeah, Yeah, at least set the record. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that brings us to the point. This is a competition, so we, one movie has to advance. And I one movie that. will be left behind. <laughs> it's Pig. Pig will be left behind. <laughs> left behind's going all the way, baby! <laughs> all the <laughs> way. <laughs> 16 seeds every time. No, um, God, no. No, Pig. Pig. It's Pig. Uh, please, I could, put Pig far. <laughs> I, could, I could watch Pig right now. I could watch Pig immediately after finishing Pig. Pig wins. Yeah. I, I, that was what I think was most interesting to me is that this feels like a movie that I could just have on and like enjoy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like it's a sad movie and it's kind of not like gripping, but it's good. It's com- every scene is compelling. Yeah. You pay attention to it. It's not a thriller. OK, so that one wins. Yeah. No, yeah. This, that one's not. This is this is le- this this week is less of a competition more than it was 
a slog yeah. to watch Christian cinema. So next week on Cage Match. <laughs> yes, it's Birdie and Wicker Man. Yeah, it should be great. Never yeah. seen either of them. It'll, It'll be, be an fun. interesting one. I'm, I'm curious to see what we get out of this. Oh, also huge thanks to Peter for doing the amazing Photoshop work that you see when you listen to our video, uh, listen to our recordings. Photoshop's so good, it could be in Left Behind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's better than that. <laughs> that is now the meanest thing you ever said. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, as usual, follow us on everything. All the podcast networks that you can find. Smash that like button. Yeah, we need five-star ratings only, even if you hate us. Yeah. Do it out of spite. Yeah. Spite like us. Hey, if you don't like my voice, five-star rating. Yeah, and right. Let's, let's be honest. Really, really stick it to let's me. Let's be honest. Most of the Nick Cage films you've all watched have been out of irony. So ironically, give us five stars. Yeah, yeah. we love irony. Cagematch.fun. <laughs> I still heard that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying, guys. Yeah, we might need a different strategy on this. All right, straws from now on. Yep, straws. <laughs> <laughs> I, I apologize. We we should we really just start. get like dog bowls full of like sparkle buddy. <laughs> I'm telling you, ASMR channel. Yeah, that's great. I'll we're no, my, we're no ask, longer a sports podcast. We're, we're now here ASMR. for ASMR. Yeah. I'll I'll ask my ex spouse who listens to this uh, what they think of the uh, mouth noises. <laughs> oh God, don't call them mouth noises. <laughs>